Good morning. Guests and regulars, it's good to have you all here. Um, big day uh, for all of us, I think. That's all right. Um, <clears throat> just a quick announcement, um, or two quick announcements. Uh, tomorrow, between the times of, I think it's 10 o'clock through till 12 or 1 o'clock, this area will be off limits. So I know sometimes people come in to rearrange things, that sort of stuff. This will be off limits because there is a viewing taking place. Um, and if for those who don't know what that is, that's where a family see the body of a past loved one and, um, and it's just a private matter. So just for your information, this is off limits for tomorrow or this uh, church building is off limits tomorrow from 10 o'clock through to about 12 or 1 o'clock. Um, so please respect that. Second, I just want to shoot out a thank you to those who helped out last Sunday at the, at the moving of Frida from one place to another. Uh, I, actually, I'll, I'll name you all. I'll, I'll name and shame you. There was Greg there, Steve was there, uh, Michael was there, Dan, were you there? No, Dan didn't make it. That's all right. Feel guilty. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Matt was there. Uh, Les, obviously, is always there. <laughs> um, Mike Popkus. Uh, I'm going to start naming people over and over. David was there. Thanks, David. Am I, who? I was there briefly. <laughs> Christine was there, absolutely. And what I've, what I've also heard is that both Chris, uh, Christine, Michael and, um, and Les have been there through the week as well, helping out Frida with sort of unpacking her boxes and stuff. But um, many hands make light work, so really appreciate the efforts of those people that came and helped. Um, and yeah, so thank you very much. Before I begin, let me just uh, open with a word of prayer. Dear Father in heaven, we just thank you for this time that we can meet together on this very special day, not just the Sabbath, but also this special day where, where somebody's made a choice, somebody's made a commitment to return love to you because you already loved him in the first place, Lord. And Lord, we pray that your presence is here, not just in a logistical sense, but in the very depths of our heart as we witness this wonderful event, this time where we see Kieran dedicating his life and committing his life to you. And Lord, I pray that your glory is shone, that you are seen as a beautiful, wonderful God that you are, and that your name is glorified. I pray this in your wonderful, blessed name, Jesus. Amen. My beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased... Um, I've got a bit of a slideshow, and in the danger of making this about me... Oh, how'd that get there? <laughs> oh, sorry. No, just kidding. I did it on purpose. <laughs> um, 
Something that really is, is honouring to see is, is Kieran committing his life to Jesus and, it, and I couldn't help but think of the similarities of, of Kieran being brought up in the church and now my daughter also being brought up in the church and people like, uh, young people like Nate and, uh, and Harper and Summer and all these beautiful young people just being surrounded by people that love them and show the love of God. But I love the way... Specifically, my daughter looks at me. I don't think Nate looks at me like that. Summer definitely doesn't look at me like that. Harper runs in fear from me, I think, because of my beard. Is that right, Harper? Oh, she's too shy. <laughs> but I love the way Jared looks at me, um, and, and, and I look at those eyes, and I go, how is she looking at me? What, like, how does she see me? Um, and there's studies that will say, like, oh, you know, when you're out of their eyes, like when you're, not, when you're not in front of them or they don't see you, then you cease to exist to them sort of thing. I don't know if that's necessarily true or not, and I'm not sure how they, they sort of research into that, um, but she seems to recognise me when I, when I come to her and, and look at her and she, like, looks back and, with those big, beautiful eyes. And I just wonder how she sees me. How does she perceive me? Am I just this silly guy that makes her laugh? Am I the provider that gives her food from above? Am I the buzzkill that stops her exploring dangerous places? Am I the monster that makes her go to sleep when she's clearly tired but doesn't want to sleep? Or am I that big teddy bear in the middle of the night that comforts her in the dark? And I'm, I don't know, uh, some of you fathers out there would probably say, oh, probably all of them. You know, you're probably all of them in her eyes. And I'm sure that will develop and change as she grows, as she continues to grow. And as we've gotten to see, see Kieran grow and develop, I'm sure he looks at people differently as well. And something that I'm fascinated um, about is this perception that she has and I'm finding that I'm caring less and less about the perception that others have for me and more and more about how she perceives me. But I'll tell you now, that wasn't always the case. Social media is an incredible thing. Just the sheer amount of people sharing things around the world, opinions, content, is crazy. Has anyone seen The Social Dilemma? Anyone? Some of you? I highly recommend it. If you have Netflix, watch it. It's an incredible, insightful uh, sort of documentary in how social media works. And to be honest, it sort of, to be honest, it, I'm, I'm kind of astounded at this sort of like uh, uh, algorithm system and this sort of thing that kind of leads us down the rabbit hole and sort of creates this sort of uh, atmosphere of lack of self-awareness. Does anyone get that, like on, on social media, this lack of self-awareness? People on, self, uh, on social media sort of having no real self-awareness that they'll post things with re without regard about how people see that or how people look at that and how, how people will perceive that. And I won't just say other people, I'll say including myself, and I'll give you an example of that right now, because I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to give you a behind the scenes of some of the posts I have made on social media. Is anyone interested in that? Okay, fantastic. I'm going to give you some honest posts that you will see and perceive as different to how I was thinking at the time. 
Okay, so here's first one, Instagram. Uh, that gentleman on the left is a guy by the name of Nathan Luchow, and that's his lovely bride, uh, Lauren Luchow now. Okay, and obviously I'm the, I'm the big guy on the right. So Nathan and I grew up for 50, uh, uh, something like 15 years together. Okay, and you see that photo as me there supporting them and going, cool, they've gotten married, I want to support them in their wedding, but I'll tell you right now, whenever I look at that photo, and the intent, or, or not my intent, but the thought I had when I was posting it was that I was spewing. I was upset because I wasn't his best man. I wasn't even a groomsman at his wedding. We were mates for 15 odd years, went on surf trips together, went on snow trips together, he even lived with my family for more than a year. And he's like, oh, you're in WA, it's too far. I've got other best men, I've got another best man, I've got other groomsmen. So just a little bit of honesty behind that photo. Whenever I look at it, I remember that. I, I've come to terms with it, I'm fine with it. Now, sort of. <laughs> he did come to my wedding. <laughs> but he wasn't in my bridal <laughs> <brutal> party. <laughs> that sounds really vindictive. No, it wasn't, it wasn't the case at all. I just used the same excuse he used. It's like, you're all the way in New South Wales. <laughs> but we're still good mates. Um, we, every time we uh, have the chance, well, which hasn't been recently with the COVID situation, whenever we do talk, we're good mates, we chat, all this sort of stuff. All right, here's another photo. I don't know if you can read that. But in that diary, it says, back to work. It's got the date there. Classic back to work after annual leave photo. Wrong. I was only in the church office for maybe 30 minutes that day, at max. And all I did was that monthly report that you can see on the, on the laptop there. Um, and I didn't even open that, that folder, oh, well, I opened the cover, but I didn't even open any of the other leaflets in that folder. It was a Secrets to Prophecy folder, and I just went home and did it later, okay? I actually remember that at, after I took that photo, somebody called me and goes, hey, let's go to lunch, and I was like, yep, I'm out of here. <laughs> here we go, here's another one. Oh, look at that, motorbike. Car and motorbike. Look at Cam with the cool motorbike. Not even my motorbike. <laughs> I was only borrowing it for two days to do a, a little stint around uh, the Bunbury region, just go riding with another mate. Um, it wasn't my motorbike. I wish it was, though. <laughs> Here we go. Here's another one. So uncomfortable with my body that I have to pretend to be comfortable with my body and compare myself with a sumo wrestler. Anyone make sense of that? I don't like being overweight, I try to lose weight. Kelly knows the amount of times I've gone to the gym and things of that nature, and it'll, it'll attribute to the next photo I'm gonna say, I'm gonna show you. But being uncomfortable going, oh no, this guy's fat as well, I'll just compare myself with him. Cool. A gym selfie, notorious gym selfie. If you are able to take a selfie at the gym, you haven't worked hard enough. <laughs> That's me right there, taking a selfie at the gym. I haven't worked hard enough, clearly, because I have the ability to take a selfie. 
And I look back on these photos and I go, all the lies I was basically telling through these photos to garner this perception, to garner this sort of view of me from people. This is why I don't really post on social media anymore because now the only perception, as I said before, that concerns me is God's, my wife's and my daughter's. That's it. And we all have this sort of image in our heads of how people perceive us, how people look at us. And people go to great lengths to get the perfect photo, to get the perfect post, to do the perfect thing on Instagram or, or Facebook or Twitter or whatever have you. In fact, I believe some of us, if not all of us, devote a solid portion of our lives to cultivate and adjust and work on how people see us. Even at church, we come dressed a certain way, dressed in a, in a certain fashion, act in a certain fashion, because we're concerned about how people will see us. It's interestingly enough to hear some of the conversations about oh, I like this at church, I don't like this. But some people, are, you know, some people might say, oh, I don't like saying happy Sabbath because it's this sort of facade almost to go, happy Sabbath. Well, has that person's Sabbath been happy? Have they come to Sabbath on the weekend and gone, oh, I'm happy all of a sudden when my week is sucked? And I think I've mentioned, uh, mentioned this before, and please don't take offence to this statement because I'm right there with you, as you've seen with the posts that I've shared. But I believe we're all sort of narcissistic to some degree. We all want people to see us as wonderful, successful, intelligent, influential, etc., whatever it is, which often means hiding some of those downsides, hiding some of our mistakes, hiding our secrets, hiding, the, as the colloquialism is, those skeletons in the closet. And I think we each have varying degrees of success or failure in hiding those things that we wish to hide from those around us. But I put it to you that none of us are perfect. And I think if we're, if we're honest with ourselves and take a moment to kind of look at ourselves and, and have some self-insight uh, self we can all too easily and vividly see our woundedness, our damagedness, our brokenness, and that we all miss the mark in some frame or fashion. The Bible says in Psalms 139 that God knows everything about you. God knows everything there is to know about you. In other areas, it would say God knows the number of hairs on your head. God knows you inside and out. God knows the things that you try to keep hidden from him. He knows the things that you try to show him. And that by itself, if that's all we knew about God, would be fairly scary. God knows that time I did fill in the blank. God knows that time I treated this person fill in the blank. God knows that time I, whatever it is, Yes, God knows. God knows you and I inside and out. But here's the fascinating thing about God. He sees what you are currently, what you have done previously, but also what you could be potentially. 
Said another way, he sees your very potential. He sees what you could be. He sees somebody who he loves dearly and strives tirelessly to show you how much he loves you and how he wants the best for you. Let me tell you just a brief story from, uh, from the book of Matthew. A brief story. We've been journeying through the book of Matthew and we're up to chapter 3. And here Jesus, Matthew chapter 3 verse 13 to 17, Jesus does something really interesting. And I'm sure you can tell why I bring it up. It says this, Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptised by him. There's a lot of names in there, but Jesus came to Galilee, a place to John the Baptist, the person at the Jordan, which is the river, to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you are coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it be so now, for thus it is, it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he, John, allowed him, Jesus... And when he'd been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus at the beginning of his ministry, Jesus, at the beginning of the three and a half years before his, birth, his, his death, sorry, his death, his burial and his resurrection was baptized and something fascinating, something miraculous happens. We get this little insight into this miraculous event where heaven opens up and God speaks from heaven. God the Father speaks to heaven, from heaven to God the Son down on earth and he says simply this, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. My beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And at the start of Jesus' ministry, we get this sort of type, understanding of the type of the relationship that God the Father and God the Son sort of have with each other. And if we read further in Scripture, we see this relationship broaden and grow deeper and become never-ending. We get verses like these that I'll just share briefly. John chapter 1, 1, that says, The Word, referring to Jesus, was with God. If somebody is with God, if, this, if Jesus was with God... It's a closeness, it's a proximity, it's something that is, that is beautiful in the relationship together that they have. In John chapter 1 verse 18, in the same chapter, it'll say, the only begotten Son, referring to Jesus, who is in the bosom of the Father, to be as close to somebody's chest is such a close proximity. To be in the bosom of the Father is like a cuddle, is like a hug. John chapter 5 verse 20, the Father loves the Son. Loves the Son. John chapter 7 verse 29, I know Him, the Father, 
This is Jesus speaking these words. He says, I know him, the Father, for I am from him and he sent me. To know somebody, you have to have a relationship with them. And Jesus isn't uncertain about that relationship. He, do, he doesn't say, I know a little bit about him. I know, I know partly. Oh, you know, we've met once or twice. He goes, I know him. To know God the Father is to spend eternity with the Father. And I just write etc. there because I want to keep this relatively short, but I could be here all day quoting Bible verse after Bible verse of the type of relationship that God the Father and God the Son have, all of which share this depth, this profundity, and this substantive quality of relationship of love between God the Father and God the Son. And, and I don't know about you, for me there's this sort of desire, this sort of maybe even like verging on jealousy uh, with this kind of relationship, a relationship that is just absolutely full throttle, full bore, completely in love with each other. As a, far, as a fresh father to Jarrah, I treasure those moments that she stops long enough to put her arms around my neck and cuddle me and I pray, my prayer is always the same, please never let this end. But there's something even more extraordinary going on between God the Father and God the Son and both the Father and Jesus invite but each of us here today into that very type of relationship with him. Very much unlike the relationship I have with Jarrah. Stay out of my relationship with Jarrah, okay? No, it's all right. You can befriend her. Jarrah and I, I'm very protective of the relationship I have with her. Kelly has to tell me off sometimes when I don't share Jarrah with other people. But Jesus and God the Father, as Jesus comes close to that amazing act of dying on the cross, he prays this incredible prayer in John chapter 17, verse 20 to 21. He prays this magnificent prayer. He says this, I do not pray for those alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Those people that will come later on and go, okay, who's this Jesus guy? Tell us about God. Tell us about God the Son. Talking about us and he's praying for us. And he says that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me. So he's saying, I pray that they're united together as you, Father, and I are united together. But he doesn't stop there and he goes, and I in you. And then finishes on this note that they also may be one in us. Here Jesus is praying that fantastic relationship prayer and he and the father have this relationship together and he goes God I pray that they are a part of that I pray that the relationship you and I have these people can be a part of that hey father you know our relationship how it's awesome you know how I can come to you in prayer anytime you know how you're always with me through your Holy Spirit in the very depths of my heart. You know how, how much you are looking out for me. You know how much I love you in return and how much I want to serve you, Lord. You know how we have this really awesome relationship going on. Can these people be a part of that? 
Can these people come and join our relationship? In fact, through the act of my death, my burial, my resurrection, can that act help encourage them to be a part of that love, be a part of that relationship? And for me, this brings a new meaning to the story of Jesus' baptism, that when we see how the Father looks down on his people, sees his son, his son coming out of the water at his baptism, and the father says those magnificent words, here is my beloved son in whom I well pleased. He isn't just saying that to Jesus. He isn't just saying that to Jesus in some sort of uh, colloquial, some sort of just offhand sense. He's inviting each of us when we read those words to the same kind of relationship that when we are baptized, when we make the decision, when we make that commitment to return the love to God that he has already loved us, that that he looks at each of us and says these exact words. He says, here is my beloved son, Cameron. Here is my beloved son, Kieran. Here is my beloved son, fill in the blank. Here is my beloved daughter, Alicia. Here is my beloved daughter, Kaylee. Here is my beloved daughter, Christine or Heather or whoever. Here is my beloved child in whom I'm well pleased. And we see this fantastic, wonderful picture of God that knows our faults, knows our failures, knows the things that we try to keep hidden And yet he loves us, he chases after us, he pursues us, he even likes us. And says constantly through his word and through his Holy Spirit, here is my beloved child in whom I'm well pleased. Into the very depths of your heart and mine. Today, we have an incredible opportunity to see a young man respond to that very kind of love that God has for him through baptism. The very kind of love that sees not just Kieran's mistakes, not just Kieran's faults, not just Kieran's failures, but sees the potential in Kieran. To see a life filled with the potential that he has in God and through God. A young man who has been loved by God through an amazing community of people, through his word, uh, and, and most of all, through his life, his death, his burial and resurrection, and continual involvement and love in Kieran's life. I just want to thank the church community for being that village that surrounded Kieran that allowed God to use each of you to love into Kieran's life. And in my time here, and this is coming now onto my fourth year in the church here at Fremantle, I find it just a privilege and a pleasure to see the type of love that you've shared into Kieran's life. Kieran and I are going to go and get changed. I believe Kieran's going to go into that room and I'll go into the pastor's room. But I believe there's a slideshow to watch now. Is that correct, Kaylee? 